What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I am your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my trusted co-hosts, Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Welcome back, Hogline Nation. You're listening to the 251st episode, week two in the books. Another week down, we move on to week three. But before we do that, as always, we have to talk about our teams in rant form. The Eagles are up first, as our, our usual itinerary suggests. The Philadelphia Eagles played on Thursday night. I feel like they played so long ago. Uh, that game, for some reason, to me, I don't know how you guys feel. This feels like it was ages ago, even though it was six yeah. days ago. But the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 34-28. to 28. They did not cover. Uh, the Vikings had a little backdoor cover there. Uh, luckily for us, none of us, none, none of us three picked them to cover. However, Shruff doesn't care about the cover. He cares about the win and the game. So, uh, please share your thoughts now. Yeah. Excited to hear. Uh, Good to be back. We're back again off another win. So I'll start with that. A win's a win. Main thought coming out of this game, uh, two, two things. Uh, one run the damn ball and two Deandre Swift probably should have been the lead back from day one. Um, so we'll start with some positives. Obviously got to start with Swift. I think it was 175 on the ground. Um, do you guys, do you guys follow that, uh, Theo Ash guy? Yeah, I love Theo. He, he's very good, but he, 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 he was dying on a, on a weird hill the other day where he said that DeAndre Swift's vision is still really bad. And the clip that he used was one where he got like seven yards, but could have gotten like nine yards if he would have like cut it back. It just to, to me, it was like a weird. It, it felt like a weird time to go on the DeAndre Swift can't see argument uh, after 175. But besides all that, we'll get back into it. Um, obviously, uh, Vikings defense certainly a bottom unit in the league. But after the offensive line performance that we saw against New England, I was kind of hoping we'd see a bit of a bounce back there. And it was. It seemed like it was kind of a, a nice like get right game for the O line. Certainly was. Uh, DeAndre Swift was obviously the beneficiary of that. Holes all over the place. He was finding them. He was hitting them. And he's just, I mean, I love Kenny Gainwell, but he provides such an like an extra bit of explosion where like any of these runs, it feels like he could break it off for like 30 plus if he just gets the right move at the right time. So a very exciting piece to have. I know injury history for him has been a bit of a concern, 
with Gainwell coming back, I'd like to hopefully see kind of more of a committee. It was it, to me, it felt odd that with all the talent they have in the room that they were doing like a one guy gets one game, one guy gets another game type of deal. I'm hoping they change that going forward. Uh, so if that's the case, I would like to see Swift out there most of the time, but uh, Gainwell mixing in would be the ideal scenario. Um, the passing game I thought was a bit improved with some caveats in there. Jalen Hurts threw one of the worst passes I've seen him throw as an Eagle, uh, that one interception. It was one of those ones where like you didn't see where it was going to end up, but as soon as he threw it, I was like, that didn't feel right. Like The timing of it, everything was just like, I don't know. And they pan over, and the Vikings guy cut it right off right in front of, I think it was intended for A.J., um, speaking of AJ Brown, never what you want to see on the sideline, uh, him barking a little bit at his quarterback. Um, obviously I'm a little biased, so I'm going to say that it's not a concern. Uh, I think there's a little, there is a part of it, but there's obviously a line where you do want your receiver to have a little bit of that, like, give me the ball mentality, but there's also a line where when you're, you know, on TV barking at your quarterback, it's not the best look in the world for the team or for you. So just something to monitor. But at the same time, uh, it was a situation where if you had the Rashad Penny hold on that first throw to Brown that he caught in the end zone, they called it, they called Rashad on the holding very next play. Jalen hits Brown on what seemed like it was going to be a perfect ball. It would have been a ticky tack PI call, but obviously looking at it there, the, the hand over Brown's arm certainly did impede that being a catch. So it was one catch away from that argument not mattering at all, but they, didn't, they weren't catches, so the argument was talked about a lot more. Um, Devontae Smith is awesome. He continues to show it. Uh, he balls everything. He's just winning at every level of the field. Hurts is finding him. Uh, he's It's it's certainly more of a 1A, 1B situation than it is a, a number one, number two situation there. Um so the offense overall I thought was fine. I thought it feels like they're still kind of getting their sea legs under him. Um, so hopefully this Tampa Bay game is going to kind of fully wake him up. But I thought there were improvements from the first week for sure. Play calling still a little iffy on. Um, I felt like, especially for Brown, like he's always thrived on those like quick hitters, those slants, because he has the speed that will kind of surprise you. But then he's obviously one of the stronger receivers in the league where you can just kind of get get there with his body and be fine. I'd like to see that happen more, especially against that Vikings defense where it was so it was so all on how how much Brian Flores was blitzing and how quickly Hertz was having to get rid of the ball. It felt like there were times where the routes that were being run took like far too long to develop to the point where by the time Hertz like had whatever option he was looking for, it felt like this it wasn't just as in sync as it should have been. So going forward, some of those quicker passes on like first and ten, second downs, like it felt like that was something that Steichen was really good at incorporating last year, and I'd like to see Johnson be able to kind of find that same balance between those. Um, defense, more injuries. Avante Maddox out for probably the year, it seems like. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's also a situation where, like, not to – I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but, like, he hasn't been the most uh, healthy guy his whole career, so they've, I feel like, become a little accustomed to him not being out there. Um, so with that being said, it's going to have to be guys like a Sidney Brown, Mario Goodrich, who got some snaps in the game and I thought looked okay. And James Bradbury had been working out as a slot in training camp a little bit. So I'm interested to see if they utilize that a little bit once he comes back from the, uh, I believe he was a concussion. Um, defensive line is still going to be good the whole year. I said, uh, I brought up Josh Sweat last week. I will continue to bring up Josh Sweat. 
Uh, Son Reddick's taken a little bit to get going. I don't know if that's the injury uh, that he's kind of still learning how to play with or whatever, but it hasn't mattered so far because Josh Sweat has been that good. Uh, I think he's up there on that top five. I feel like the stat of the quickest get-offs off the ball uh, have been getting tweeted out a lot. Like, Miles Garrett's been up there a ton. Like, that's kind of who they've been shouting out, but Sweat's been right there with him. So very excited to see that. But, yeah, that's about all I got. Uh, I just wanted to highlight some individual stuff. I don't know if you guys will have questions. But overall, I'd say it was like a C-plus, B-minus game, which for now I'm okay with. But if we keep seeing C-plus, B-minus games, that's going to be not so fun when they get to the to the meat of their schedule. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Uh, I do have two questions, and then I'll share my brief thoughts on the game as well. Jack can share his questions as well. Number one, uh, this is pretty similar to a question I asked you last week where you know, I asked you to comment on Gainwell versus Swift's touches. I believe in week one it was 18 to 2, yes. if I remember off the top of my head. And then this week, obviously, no Gainwell and Swift dominates the touches. How do you see this going forward? How do you see it going forward, and what would you, what would you do if you were the OC? Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of talked about it a little bit, but just to give a little more detail on it, like I, to me, with like going into this year, we were excited for how like well rounded this running back unit was. Um, Gainwell obviously knows the system well. Swift uh, has kind of that elusiveness and the juking that you're looking for, and then Rashad Penny is supposed to just kind of be your you know hopefully like short yardage uh, you know maybe goal line back, but. With all that being said, like that's kind of the point of being well-rounded is that you can use all of them throughout the game. So I'm hoping that as we get later into the season, I'm like, it, it's it's a weird thought because I don't know, like it's a real game and these games count for something, but it almost feels like they're still like kind of giving these guys a chance to like show what they can do. Which like at this point, like I feel like when these games matter, like you want to have the best guys out there in the situations that make the most sense. So I mean, if I'm in, uh, if I'm Sirianni and I'm trying to figure out how I want to deploy these guys like it feels like Swift has kind of showed that he can be that uh not workhorse guy but you know get the majority of the snaps um but with all that being said he's also a guy who is kind of reliant on the big plays while it feels like Gainwell might be a little bit better at getting you like just like that that four or five yards that you that you're very looking for so in a perfect world for me I think I'd like to see Swift getting like 60% with Gainwell getting 40%, but then as the season progresses, as because it, it feels like to me that they're kind of waiting for Penny till maybe kind of the later part of the year, just because obviously the injury history and it, it seems like they're trying to kind of conserve him as much as they can. So hopefully by the end of the year, it would look more like a, maybe like a 50-25-25 situation. But... To me, Swift is way too dynamic to take off the field with how many playmakers they already have. He adds a wrinkle that the other guys don't. So I'd I'd, I'd like to see him be the lead back going forward. Okay. My next question is, you mentioned the wide receiver duo being a 1A, 1B instead of a 1-2 situation. Hmm. My question to that is, who's the 1A? It's becoming more of a conversation than I think even I expected it to this early on. Um AJ's still the one A. I think at his best, he's a. At his best, I think he's probably a top five receiver in football. He. I agree. Yeah, he matches uh, 
obviously like the strength is always going to like his just straight up size. And like, he's just, he's built different than a lot of receivers are. And with that, he has speed that'll surprise you. But then for me, for with him, and it's something that it seems like he's probably passing down to Devante and why I think Devante is kind of making his way up these rankings pretty quickly. It, he's AJ Brown is as like savvy as they come. It seems like the late hands are something that people talk about a lot with him that it, it feels like he's kind of in like the top guy when you talk about the guys that show off the late hands like that, but just a lot of craftiness and like Darius Slay comments on it all the time that uh, like, even with how long Slay's been in the league, Brown will still do things when he's guarding him that he like didn't know he had in his bag. So it seems like he's just a smart, like, as smart as it gets at the receiver position. So he's still going to be my one for now, just because the size built with the, like matched with the skill is something that you just are not going to find very frequently. But Devante is just getting better and better. And I would not be surprised if by the end of the year, my tone is, is shifting on this. Yeah, it was a partial joke. I mean, I still think AJ Brown is the one a in that wide receiver room. I love Devante Smith, but I just, Need to see that catch he made that 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 first grab he made where he like went up like the elevator pretty much to get it. And I will like this is maybe a little bit of bias coming out here. I saw a lot of people commenting and saying that it was like a, a huge underthrow by Hertz. I don't like I feel like people didn't see the fact that like the one defensive lineman was like through the gap and was like at his feet as he threw the ball. So it wasn't like he was throwing with like a clean pocket and just underthrew it by like ten yards. Like there was pressure there, but no matter what, Devontae Smith also went completely up the ladder for that ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely inhibited a little bit. I know what you're, what you're referencing there. Uh, just my brief thoughts on the game. I think it started off a little shaky, as I'm sure you would agree. I, I feel like they just kind of flipped a switch, though, and just, okay, now we're going to run the ball. Like They had that one drive, I think it was maybe the third yeah. drive of the game, where I think they ran it, it was probably like a... Well, 12 to 15 play drive. They probably ran it 10 times. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was one of those situations I think where like the, the passing offense clearly wasn't in sync. Hertz had a couple drives where it felt like they stalled out a little and he wasn't quite where he needed to be. And like, I understand that you want it to look pretty and like go the way that you had it planned. But when the Vikings defense is allowing you to run it for like seven yards of carry, like keep running it. Like there's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's one of those situations. So, like, it a, a switch was certainly flipped, and I hope it's something that they're. I hope they're they continue to be good at those in-game adjustments. Like, if they're if they're if they're telling you that that you can run the ball the entire game, then run the ball the entire game. Their offensive line's good enough to do it. The threat of hurts taking off with it it helps a lot with that. Like it. That's why I said the uh, my, my my first main point was was run the damn ball. Yeah, as a team, ran the ball 48 times as opposed to 23 pass plays, which is unheard of in in this day and age in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Uh, They ran for 259 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, and three rushing touchdowns as a team. So that's just complete domination. And it's really hard to lose a game. Time of possession I have written down here, 39 minutes and 28 seconds for the Eagles and only 20 minutes and 32 for the Vikings. It's pretty hard to lose if it's that drastic of a of a difference there yeah uh jack you can go ahead and if you have any questions and then you can transition us into um into steelers round of the week 
Uh, I don't. I just my biggest concern, I guess, for the Eagles when watching the game on Thursday was probably the pass defense. Granted, yes. they were out Bradbury, uh, and taking the, the consideration the Vikings have very good pass catchers with Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson. That's it. Osborne can't catch. No, he, he had, had a bad he, game. He had a bad yeah. game. He had a bad game. But I mean, Kirk threw for what was it? Like he he had near like 400, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it part of it, I guess, part of it was, was game script with the way the game went. But I mean, they like the secondary is certainly a problem. It, and I like maybe not even the second, like the secondary is a problem. But I think the bigger issue is like none of our linebackers can can pass, can cover the pass. They can all go downhill and stop the run when they need to, but mm-hmm. in terms of getting out in space and like finding the guy that they need to find, it seems like they struggle with it. So something to monitor as we go. And it was the same problem last year. Right. right. That all comes right. back to how, how he decides to build his teams in terms of where he spends money and where he doesn't. So something we will have to deal with as the season goes on, I, I assume. Yeah. Um, I guess that leads us to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll kick us off. It was such a tiresome game. I don't, I don't think I ever felt so exhausted after watching a Steelers game. Like at halftime, I would, I just was sitting here just thinking like, I can't, there's two more quarters of this. That's crazy. And then after the game, I literally like couldn't sleep because I had a headache. Like that's how like I've never had that before. Like it's just, um, but it was crazy game. If you watched it, you know, a long game. It was all over like almost near midnight. It was like eleven forty-five, I think. I mean, because there were just so many, a lot of injuries, a lot of reviewing stuff. I mean, and then injuries. Obviously, Nick Chubb. That was a horrible, horrible injury. Um. And just so many injuries on both sides, I guess. But um, the offense is the Steelers' offense is putrid. Uh, I'll start with Kenny. He didn't play great again. That's no, there's no excuses. Like the way to get around it, he did not have a good game. Um, and I can blame the play calling all I want, which. I genuinely do think that's more the issue. I think most people agree with that. Um, but Kenny's got to hit those like three to four misses that he had that were just like off timing was off. Like just the layups, you got to hit those. Um, but what uh, the main issue, and we've been harping on this for what a year and a half now, is uh, I mean, the offensive coordinator is probably the culprit. <laughs> Uh, and when we got the ball back late in the game, it was after the big splash, Highsmith strip sack, TJ Watt fumble touchdown that put us up. Um, we got the ball back. I'm sorry. So then the Browns were back in the field. We stopped them, and then still got the ball back with like three minutes left. When we got after on that punt, I think I text a few people and I just thought like there's a five percent chance the Steelers get a first down here. And if they did get a first down with like three to four minutes left, like the game's over. And I just know the defense is gonna be back in the field. Lo and behold, I was right. 
first play, Najee into the CF12 guys. Second play was a bad design. It was a Kenny and shotgun. Jalen Warren was left, and it was a handoff direct. Warren going to the right. There was nothing there. He just redirected it back to the left side of the field. Somehow made a guy miss and picked up like eight, eight to nine, um, leaving us with a third and one. And that play call was horrible. It was a design quarterback keeper, and he started him in shotgun. Like take a take a page out of the Eagles playbook. I know I it was like a, a yard and a half, but still, like that play works for a yard and a half. Like you, you can't do a quarterback keeper on third and one. Like why you're in shotgun? Like you're giving him a five yard disadvantage. With that Browns defensive line too, like they got a bunch of huge dudes. Like someone yeah. swallow him up. Like it doesn't and matter who it was. Someone was going. The D line was beating our O line all night long, and on that play we had a. Running back next to him, I think it was Najee. It was Najee. That yeah, he fake handoff to him. It wasn't like a quarterback keep like a quarterback option play. It was design run. Um he all we also had pick and sent in motion. So that's another guy in the backfield that a middle linebacker corner, someone's following him. So that's just more congestion in the middle of the field. We have a tight end, Darnell Washington swing to block for him. There's just so much going on in the backfield that that's where the defense is gonna be. Um if you watch again, I watched it again this morning and or whenever, I, I don't know. Um, and I was thinking this when it happened, especially when we're in shotgun. Like, I think we, I feel like we should pass here. Just hit a high percentage throw. Like, and if you, as when Pickens motioned out, we still had Allen Robinson in the slot. If he did a quick out, there's so much green there. We could have hit him. Even if he went out of bounds, that's fine. We get a first down. Um, but I digress. Uh, I'll let Mitchell go. Last thing I wanted to say, like a, a crazy stat, is the Steelers were down 22 to 19 going into the fourth quarter. That's all this. And they gained negative seven yards on offense, and we won the game. That's won wild. The game. <laughs> How does that happen? How do, like, well, it happens because when you have two defensive players like we have in Highsmith and Watt, but I mean, that, that shouldn't, we can't rely on that. Um, well, D, all right, so this is a nice transition to what I was going to say. I have, a, I have a stat that I think may be even crazier than that. Okay. We, didn't, we didn't run a play in the Browns' 30-yard line or closer to the end zone. The whole game. You, the whole game. The whole game, we didn't, yeah. Because sure. our, yeah, touchdown, yeah. our touchdown was a 70-yard right. pickings. Yeah. yeah, they had no red zone work. Huh. Nice, 100% in the red zone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, technically, technically true. <laughs> I mean, the, the defense absolutely dominant. Six sacks, nine tackles for loss, four turnovers, two touchdowns. And as Jack touched upon, that's just not sustainable. We're going to be a good defense. We're not going to be that good every single week. It's just unrealistic to expect that. I am very nervous for next week uh, in general, just because of that being such an emotional roller coaster of a game, up and down, division win, TJ breaks the sack record for uh, the Steelers franchise history. And then we got a, it's a short week. We have one extra, one less day of uh, practice and rest. And then we have to go across the country. You got to go all the way to Las Vegas. So there's another factor in that. I just feel like it's a bad spot for us. I know Vegas definitely has their shortcomings, especially on defense, which I'm hoping this could be a, a little spark plug for the offense. But again, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. I'm just, I'm just thinking it's a bad spot and I'm, I'm nervous for it. But going back to 
the game on Monday, I have a few stats on how bad our offense is, specifically on third downs. Four for th- four for fourteen on Monday night's game. Through the first two weeks of the season, our third down efficiency rate is thirty one point zero three percent, which is 29th in the league. And we also lead the league in three and outs. So all of that needs to get fixed and get fixed quickly. I know Kenny didn't play great. I, I, I mean, it wasn't saying much. I feel like he improved maybe slightly from week one, but he still looks shaky nonetheless. Uh, the interception was pretty bad. He was behind and late on some throws still. And I, I love Najee, but again, he just he just looks way too slow out there. I, that, I really that do. Was my question. I, I do really think like he has good. He's a good good tackle breaking ability. He's he's a good receiver. He's obviously he's good strong runner, good stiff arm. He has some juke moves, but he's just too slow. I feel like, and it's unfortunate to say, but you know, Jalen needs to get more work. That's the bottom line. So that was what my question was. I was going to phrase it in a way of like, because I, I still wouldn't say that Warren's a better running back than Najee Harris, but to me, and you got like this, this isn't really going to be a question, but more of just like a, I'm going to po- pose this to you guys and you guys can decide. But to me, it almost feels like Jalen Warren is better suited for this run game than Najee is in a sense where like Jack kind of brought it up with like some of these play calls. There's such a mess going on in the offensive line where a guy like Najee, who's as big as he is, isn't going to be able to like dodge and weave through all that traffic where like, like it's just, there's just no logical way that he can find a hole where it feels like Warren has more of the ability to kind of bounce it outside if he need to, or kind of dodge and weave through the, through the traffic that's in there. So I don't know what you guys think, but it's not that I think Warren's better than Najee, but it feels like he's better suited for the way this team is kind of built right now. I 100% agree with that. Like Najee would be good if our offensive line can get some push and create some downhill yeah, momentum for him, like yeah. we did in the latter half of last year. And Najee and the running game played better and well. Um, but yeah, when our O line is getting wrecked and defenders are meeting us in the backfield, Warren, although he's undersized compared to Najee, is a lot quicker and can change direction and get out of trouble a little better. And he finds his way out of trouble like so, like. He's kind of a magician sometimes. Like him and, I don't, him, I don't him know how he Ford, does it. Him and Ford, the whole well, and Chubb before he got hurt, but it, that was like the entire run game for both teams was like just like finding their ways out of like a complete mess. Yeah, scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. Nachi definitely still has a role. Um, I just think it needs to be scaled back a little bit, uh, considering what you said, how the offense looks right now. I mean, removing his long, he had two long runs. He had a twenty-one yard run, I think a seventeen yard run. If you remove those two, he had eight carries for five yards. So, Not ideal. Yeah. And, I mean, the last thing I'll say, overall, I mean, you, you take the wins as they come, uh, especially, within, especially within the division, and it's still, it's still very hard to beat any team, really, in the NFL. Um, but this level of play on offense is just, if you have expectations of going to the playoffs, you can't play like this. Um. And I I know the calling for Canada's head is at pretty much an all time high at this point because everyone's you know so excited for year two of Kenny he's going to take the step forward and it just like is taking like if it's going to happen it's not happening right now and everyone's growing frustrated but I'm still I want to see how it looks against easier defenses 
which we will get in the next two weeks. We have the Raiders defense. We have the Texans defense. They've looked pretty shaky for the most part in the first two weeks. So I want to see how it looks there. Browns have a good defense. 49ers may have the best defense. So, you know, I don't want to justify it, but I kind of just did. But we'll see. I last thing I guess, and this is just more kudos to the Browns and Jim Schwartz. Like that, I I'd up that that rating of the Cleveland defense to great and not just good. Like I think it'll be top five this year. It's what Jim Schwartz has done with them. I mean, they've always had talent, but it's really he's utilizing um, it really well. Yeah, like what he's doing, he did it showed in Week One against the Bengals, limiting them to three points. And us, I don't think it's too difficult to um beat the Steelers' offense, but. They definitely did. Yeah, they only limited did the offense. Game. The offense scored what? Uh, 12, 12 points. points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Defense responsible for 14. Yeah, that man knows how to coach a defense. Well, this next segment, I'm glad we're not going to be talking about the Steelers in this next segment here. Uh, we have 0-2 teams, and I don't know what to formally call this, but we're going to rate meter. them on a scale from 1 to 10. The panic meter. Yeah, how hard how hard we're pressing the panic button. Mm-hmm. 10 means the the button is broken because we smashed it. Mm-hmm. And 1 means it's completely untouched or zero that would be I guess. We're going to try to keep this to about a couple minutes per team because there are 9 teams that are 0 and 2 currently, 5 in the AFC and 4 in the NFC. I thought we were only doing the four. So, here, so here's my question. I was going to say before we start this, do we even want to talk about the teams that we kind of expected to be 0 and 2? I agree. I think I think we should we should really only talk about the four. I have four teams. Mentioned. I yeah. have four teams ready to go. Okay, I forget what four teams they were that we Did mentioned. Yeah, can yeah. you read them to me, please? Uh, I have I have the Vikings, the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Broncos as the four. Bengals, Vikings, Chargers, Broncos. Okay. Just because, like, I mean, we could talk about like the Texans being zero and two, but I feel like we know. Yeah, and the Bears that, and the Cardinals. Same direction. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Um, Plus, we can expand a little bit more if we're only doing four. Yeah, true. Okay, fair enough. Bengals. We'll go around the table here and say our rating, and then we can uh, go into a little bit more detail. But Jack, scale from one to ten, how hard are you pressing the panic button on Cincinnati? Five. There's some. I got nervous there. Uh, I have it as a four. I have a seven. Whoa. Oh. Jack, go ahead. Why do you have a five? Um, mainly because of the teams we're going to talk about. They have the best quarterback. Um, is why. I feel like it's a little low, but what brings it back up is that we're worried about his injury. That's what I was going to say. It was uh, obviously it happened, I think, beginning of August. And came back week one, didn't look great from a stat line perspective. And then I guess improved a little bit in week two, but re-aggravated it. And he was really, really down about it in post game. So, um, that's tough. That's tough to see. I, I get 
I don't know. The Bengals are honestly as they do have talent, but sometimes I feel like they're only as good as how like how far Joe Burrow can take them. So yeah, I, I, I it's a weird because they are the Bengals. They've been in the AFC Championship back to back two years, and like they are of like the AFC elite, but. I'm worried about Burrow's calf, I guess, is why I'm sticking him at a five. Shreff, why do you, well, you said four? Is that what you said? I said four. Um, and like my explanation is honestly the exact same as Jack's. Like I, if, if this was healthy Joe Burrow and they were 0-2, even, even playing the games like the way that they've played them, my panic meter might have still been like at a zero. Like the only place that yeah. this is coming from for me is the fact that this injury feels like something a bit more than what we kind of thought it was. Um, certainly, uh, certainly makes me want to ask like the Bengals, like training staff and like Zach Taylor, some questions about that, where they felt like it was necessary to, to throw him out there right off the bat. Um, especially if it's been derailed like this quickly to the point where it seems like we might not see him for a week or two here. Um, but like Jack said, like the, the team overall is too talented for me to have it any higher than this right now. Um, there's too much of a championship like pedigree in that locker room. Like There's so many guys now that have been doing this for a couple of years here where it feels like they're going to right the ship. Um, but like if, if we fast forward like a week or two and like some Borough news comes out, like this, this number could certainly jump. And is that kind of where, where you're at, Mitchell, or is it for other reasons? No, I mean that is exactly why, and I, I feel like I'm just more concerned than you guys. I, Maybe I, that's what I, it is. Maybe we're all getting I, concerned together here at the same time. I, I, it just doesn't seem right. It, it seems, you know, when it, when you said when the first happened, it looked so bad, and now. It just seems fishy to me. I, I feel like it's going to be a thing where it's going to linger. Unless they hold him out and make sure he's completely 100%, and then they that would seem like the most logical best thing to do. What they should have done from week one, then, and right? That's where it gets. And, and it. now, and now I'm looking at the schedule here, right? You get LA on Monday Night Football next week, which we thought would be an easy win, but the Rams, have, the, the Rams have not been a Stafford's they've been a unreal, <laughs> they've, been, they've been a tough out. I mean, they won week one and then they they fought. You know, they were in oh, it for most did. of the game on Sunday. I yeah, know Shref that. knows that all too well. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, there's that. You got Tennessee after that, which, again, is you know a winnable game, but it's not an easy game by any means. So I don't know. It, it get a little dicey here, especially if he's not 100%. If we see Jake Browning on Monday Night Football, Probably. we already had bad quarterback play last week on the doubleheader Monday Night Football. We don't need any more of that. So I don't want to hopefully that. Burrow is healthy for that sake, for a, from a watchability standpoint. Yeah. But uh, we can move on here to the Chargers. Shref, uh, you can go first here. Where do you have the Chargers on your panic button uh, severity rating? I have the Chargers at a six. Okay, I have them at a seven. Jack? Five. All right, a little bit closer than the Bengals, but Shref, go ahead. You're the first word on L.A. Yeah, I think like a lot of <laughs> a lot of these points are coming from one word, and that's and that's charging. They're they're charging again. They're they're doing the same thing they do every year. They 
they've been in both of these games enough to win them and just just found ways to not win the games. Um, and for me, a lot of this is coming back to it. it it's really it, it felt like it last year, and it's already really feeling like it. it. It feels like Brandon Staley is not the man for this job. And I know that this team is one that has like torn it all down and built it back up and fired and hired and tried to do everything different. And at the end of the day, it's still the Chargers. So maybe that's just the case. But um, Brandon Staley just doesn't hasn't impressed me at all. Um, on top of that, I think the uh, Helen Moore acquisition, while it's certainly going to uh, help Justin Herbert's numbers a lot, um, it felt like we kind of saw it in Dallas last year, and we're kind of seeing it again where it's just not its not this like high-powered thing that we maybe thought we were going to get right off the bat here. But overall, like the main, the main place that this six is coming from for me is Brandon Staley and the fact that it's the Chargers and they continue to just be the same exact team that they are every single year. Yeah, I had him at a seven, which is pretty close to a six. Uh, you could very easily see a one in five start here. They're at they're at Minnesota next week, which we'll talk about. We can talk about too when we get to Minnesota. But that is going to be that could be the wildest game we've ever seen. Two two be. franchises where just the the unimaginable just happens. <laughs> Seems like Almost multiple weekly. times a year. Almost so. weekly. Yeah, so that game is that's a coin flip. I have no idea who's going to win that. I think the odds are mine. Like it's a, pretty much a pick 'em. It has, which to makes be. sense no because make yeah. Uh, then you get the Raiders, which again they're the Raiders, but it is the divisional game, so you never know. Then they get Dallas, and then they go at Kansas City. So that is a that's a tough four game stretch right there, and I feel like they could just win one game in that. So that that would really just sink their ship at that point. Uh, the defenses are so it's so bad. Um, they're, they've given up the most yards throughout the first two weeks of the season. They're dead last, thirtieth in points. Players, it makes no sense. They have guys. Yeah, I mean they're <laughs> they've given up the third most points as well f- through the first two weeks. And I mean, I thought this was supposed to be Brandon Staley's specialty, just coaching up defense, right? It's not yeah. like they've they're like the least talented defense in the league. They're not. So I. I I want to shout out my friend Mike. He's been on the uh, anti-Brandon Staley train for as long as I've known him, and I've known him for about two years now. So he, he might be dead on on this point. It's just uh, not a Brandon Staley fan, and so far he's getting validated. So, Jack, any other words on Chargers? You're a little bit uh, less worried than Shref and I. Uh, yeah, less worried because I... I um. I kind of feel like this is a little expected out of the Chargers. They're just playing like crazy games, close games, and like some of these, are just, they're just going to win some of these and finish nine wins, maybe ten, All and bounce it the right way, which is it's kind of what they've been the past two years. So I, I, I it's a little expected. Granted, it's it's raised a little bit. So I'm at like mid, I'm at a five, like. Concerned about Staley and like I, I, he may be leading on the odds of coaches to be fired first. Not leading, but he's like up there. I think I saw or heard. Um, but maybe Kellen Moore takes over and does a better job of the interim. I don't know. Like it's maybe that's kind of a possibility that I I don't think is too crazy. 
The fact that he made the lateral move from OC to OC makes me think yeah. that maybe something could be in the works, but who knows? Right. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take. I think Callum Moore's a little overrated. I, I mean, I have many Cowboys fans who will tell me the exact same thing. And I, I said it's like it uh, – I don't know if – it just hasn't quite like completely translated to what he's like uh, hyped up to be as like this offensive guru. And But maybe it's a situation where maybe maybe he's a guy that's just better suited for a head coach. Who knows? I don't know. At this point, the Chargers have to just keep trying things because so far nothing that they've tried has worked. Also, I guess two quick things. Um, their past events has been pretty bad. Obviously, let up the four sixty six to two in week one, and then week two they only I think it was volume wise they only allowed two hundred forty six against Tannehill, which is a good game for Tannehill. But they allowed Tannehill complete like eighty five percent of his passes. Um, and this secondary now it's why I'm not too concerned is that I feel like their secondary at least last year is stronger defense that's where they're stronger defensively they really struggle in the run game um it's i feel like it's a little flipped maybe now so i i I trust guys like derwin james in the corners they got they could figure that out more um also uh austin eckler didn't play last week and they averaged like 2.8 yards a carry great so i austin eckler he's I think he's maybe a little overrated. It's crazy I'm saying that. He's on all my fantasy teams. But I think he's a little overrated because of fantasy. I do think he's a, definitely a valuable running back, though. And he's a significant upgrade over Josh Kelly. So he, the offense does work better and is more effective. He's in the field. So mm-hmm. he's healthy going forward. That is clearly beneficial for them. Eckler still did not practice here on a day of recording on Wednesday, so we'll see his status going forward for uh, this Sunday's game. That was, I mean, before we move on to the Broncos here, I know we've spent a little bit more time on the Chargers, but that was another thing I was going to say, Jack. They made Ryan Tannehill, who looked like he shouldn't even belong in the NFL anymore, look like a decent starter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just not good. I mean... He just he was so bad in week one and he he looked he kind of returned to form a little bit this week against this future Chargers defense. But anyway. Denver. I'm at a nine and I love it. I'm I'm loving to, I'm I love to see the downfall of the Broncos. It's a fun panic. It's a fun panic. <laughs> but uh I, I'm at a nine. Jack. Also nine. I went I went eight, but but for the sake of the fun panic, I'm going to bump it up to a nine just so you can have some more fun with it. I, I'm I'm preying on this downfall so hard. <laughs> yeah, I just Sean. Everyone was like, Sean Payton's <laughs> going to save us. We're going to win. We're going to win the AFC West. Oh man, Nathaniel Hackett. He was the no. It's the same thing. Sean Payton's overrated. I mean, he's just. It has been a disaster from the start, and I love how Jack compared this to Urban Meyer and just all the parallels between the two. It's just... I have, I have a friend who's a Broncos fan. I do feel bad for him, but if, if it's not for him, I just, I'm just i loving it. You know, I'm just loving this downfall. There, I, I don't have too much else to add. It's just I've also came across this, which is interesting. They uh, have 19 penalties through, through the first two weeks, which is second most in the league, so they're one of the not most... Undisciplined teams in the league. I think they were towards the top of the league last year too. I know it's a different regime and everything, but 
you know, similar things are happening in the, mm-hmm. in the new season here. So, um, where are you guys at a nine? I think it's pretty obvious, but if you have anything to add. Uh, well, I, another thing I learned, uh, the hard way, uh, this pet, uh, along with the fact that the Rams might be half decent. I also learned that the Broncos defense is not what it was last season. It appears, um, Sam Howell has, has been a nice surprise, but at the same time, letting Sam Howell do that to your, to your defense is borderline inexcusable, especially when you know that the defense is going to kind of have to show up for them to win some games. Um, Russ made some good throws, but I don't, he, he really might just be cooked. Is he just cooked? I think Russ is playing fine, which is more concerning that he's playing like as good as they're going to get out of him, I think. And, well, that's the problem, though, is that and they're still losing against bad teams. I don't think the Commanders are good, and the Raiders, I don't think, are good either. So that's why the concern's at a nine to me, for me. That's a fair also, point. Russ has not been as nearly as bad as he was last season. Not as bad as last year, but I, I think that's what almost concerns me more is that, like, it wasn't, like, jump back to what we maybe thought we would see. But the other problem, their uh their entire like weapon core just like we 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 talked about it before the season started, but the 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 core that they have just isn't like good enough yeah. to like, go out and beat teams. It's just not. Like Javante's still getting back from injury. You'd have to expect that might even take a little bit before he's up to like complete full speed. Jerry Judy seems to be like the the forgotten one out of all these Alabama receivers that have come out the last couple of years. Um, and then Cortland Sutton is like decent, but how long can we rely on Cortland Sutton to stay healthy? Like it's just, there's, there's nothing that jumps out where it's like, yeah, like we got a game plan for this. Like there's, they just don't have a guy to game plan for. Exactly. So yeah, Denver, they're not looking too good. Um, can't say I'm surprised. Mm-mm. The Minnesota Vikings. Jack, where is your concern for Minnesota? Six. Five. Five. All five Broncos are nine. That's me. Uh, I went seven. I'm at a six. Why are you at a five, Jack? Uh... Similar to the Chargers, a little bit expected that the Vikings are going to be in close games as they were last year, but some bounces aren't going to go their way. Um, now they still manage us only six, like within a one score loss, the Eagles on the road, which I think is kind of impressive. Um, and looking ahead to the, like their schedule. Their division, they got to play the Lions, who look to be pretty good twice. But it's a divisional game, so it's more toss up. Yeah, and that's not until um, the end. They play them week sixteen and eighteen, so it's right. not for a while. Packers twice. I that, that's divisional. They look solid, but again, that could kind of go either way. Bears twice. They look horrible. They got the Raiders, the Saints, the Panthers in there, the Falcons. So, like, I see winnable games for them on their schedule. Broncos too. Um, yeah, obviously the Chargers is a coin flip this week. So, right, but the O line was bad on Thursday night, but they were so hurt. So, I mean, if I don't know the severity of the injuries they suffered, but they're on their third left tackle, 
it looked bad. If they get healthier on the O-line, it's got to help because I do think their starters are solid playing together. But, um, And yeah, who was uh, Bradbury? Their, their center was out too. So mm-hmm. If they get healthier, yes. Um, right before we started recording, they trade for Cam Akers. Maybe he helps out the backfield because Madison's been struggling a little bit. Uh, but the pass catchers, I said in the beginning of this during the Eagles talk, like they're they're very good. Addison looks great as expected by us. Jefferson's still best in the league, top two. Hawkinson is looks solid still, like a top, he's really good top pass catching tight end. So, um, and Kirky's playing well. He's on pace for sixty one hundred yards, fifty one touchdowns. So he'll probably get that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I guess it's. I'm not too concerned. Maybe I should lower it. I'm really making a case of the Vikings. I mean, they still, they're 0-2. Lost the Bucks, so I don't think are great. Um, but I'll just keep it at 5. Jeff, why are you at a 7? That, that intrigues me. Uh, the defense. The, to, keep, to make a long story short, the defense. I had, like, obviously I got, I mean, everyone kind of got an up-close watch of it because, I mean, everyone was watching the primetime game. But, um, like, I don't know, man. It, it it really concerns me. Like not just the fact that they don't have a lot of talent back there, but Brian Flores's style and scheme doesn't lend itself to this team simply because they don't have the talent that you would want to have. Like he gets so aggressive, like so aggressive, and it, and and it almost get it almost comes to a fault. Uh, and I mean, we saw it against the Eagles, but it seems like good offensive lines are just going to be able to kind of have their way with them. Um, so that's more of the concern for me. Like I, I know that they're still going to win games and um, like they're going to be competitive in games, but at the end of the day, like Kirk cousins is still Kirk cousins to me. I'm never going to get off that take. And it, to me, it feels like he's going to have to play like a top five quarterback in football for them to be like a legit team. Cause the defense just isn't like, I don't see a scenario where the defense is just going to like magically show up and start playing well. They they don't have the guys, and I don't think the scheme lends itself to those guys. Yeah, I, I'm at a six, and I I do agree with most of what you're saying. I really do think Flores didn't do that bad of a job. I know that's you know kind of contradictory when the Eagles scored 34 points, but especially in the first like half of that game. I feel like he did a decent job, especially like they were kind of limiting in the past game. That's when the Eagles had to switch the run. But you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Flores just doesn't have the personnel to really get a fair shake here. Um, They're just going to, yeah, they're going to get dominated in the trenches. And uh, yeah, so ultimately, I don't think there's much they can do, as you kind of touched upon. But uh, we will certainly see. And the reason why I have them a slightly lower than the Chargers and uh, the Bengals and the Broncos, I think they're the lowest one I had. But the NFC generally is weaker. Jack kind of mentioned the winnable games on their schedule. I mean, I, I mentioned the Chargers schedule, and that was kind of a gauntlet over the next month and a half. And then Vikings, there's definitely some games where they you can see them putting together a little bit of a mini run. So that's why they're a little bit lower on the uh, panic meter in my book. All right, that is our uh, segment for the week in terms of the 0-2 teams. Now, if they drop to 0-3, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know there's like a, there's a, that's like a huge drop-off. 
between teams that are 0-2 that can make the playoffs and teams that are 0-3 that have made the playoffs. I mean, clearly, I mean, that's uh, that goes without saying, but there is a significant decline in, in chances um, once you reach an 0-3 threshold. So we'll see. One of them is going to be 0-3. Uh, Minnesota Chargers, the Minnesota yeah. and uh, Chargers game, game is going to be a game that will be. <laughs> yeah, I, there's going to be something that we're just like, I cannot believe that just happened. Uh, happen in this one. All right, it is time for our picks. I'm going to recap, much to Shref's uh, chagrin, <laughs> how we did last week in week two. Tough week. Tough week. I am still at the top. I'm five and one. I went three and zero. Oh. So clean sweep for me. I picked uh, Meet Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks to cover five and a half. They win outright. I know I got a little rebound off of uh, yeah. Shreff there. I, I can't pick him anymore. I can't. Like, I, I can't pick him anymore. Got the Kansas City Chiefs to cover three points against the Jaguars. They won by eight, so that was safe there. And. Uh, after I was debating for what seemed like a half hour on my total last episode, I ended up picking the right one because the other one I was debating uh, with did not hit. So Packers Falcons over 40 and a half. That was a pretty comfortable over, I'd say. I think what it ended up being uh, 27, 24 or something, something like that. So it, it was definitely well over 40 and a half. Jack goes four and two. So he's two and one on the, on the week. Both weeks, actually, but he got Washington plus three and a half. They uh, won outright over the Denver Broncos, as we mentioned. Miami minus two. They win by a touchdown, so that hits as well. However, the over 46 and a half did not hit in the Sunday night game. Chef, on the other hand, goes 0 and 3, and in perhaps the most heartbreaking fashion, uh, he had several. Perhaps it's it's as bad as it gets. San Francisco, minus eight. Everyone, if you watched the NFL last weekend, you know. They were up 10. Rams had the ball with the four seconds left, and they decided to kick a field goal to make it a seven-point game. So There was no no need for it. So, uh, yeah. Kicking Shref while he's down. Sean McVay just just curb-stomping Shref right there. Wrigley. The Patriots, plus two. They hung in that game for a little bit, but ultimately... Miami was too much for them, and the most profitable system in the NFL over the past 18 regular season games did not uh, bode well for Mr. Schreff. The the Commanders-Broncos did not go under 38 and a half, and both teams almost covered that total by themselves. So Uh, It turns out the one thing I didn't account for is Sam Howell being being the best quarterback in the NFL. I I was not prepared for that to happen. Yeah, you didn't include that in your handicap process, I guess. It caught me by surprise. All right. So with that being said, I am first. I have to decide which one I'm going to go with. I think I know. I really want, and I feel like it's going to get taken. I'll be going with the Tennessee Titans, who are (laughs) three-and-a-half-point underdogs, the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Since 2018, which is Vrabel's tenure as the head coach, Titans are 27-16-1 against the spread as an underdog. I think that's fifth or sixth best in that time frame. Tennessee's run defense has been completely dominant. I mentioned it 
I think I've mentioned it for the past like three episodes, but they were first in 2021, first in 2022, and they're tied for third through two weeks of 2023. Obviously, no no Nick Chubb for Cleveland, so I think that's kind of going to force the Browns to be very one-dimensional. Um, so I really like Titans on this one, getting three and a half. They've covered the first two weeks, and uh, it makes me feel very comfortable. I think they can win outright. So Titans plus three and a half. What do you guys think? I know Streff agrees. He wanted to pick it. That was my but favorite. uh do you Jack, are you also on the Titans in this one? I, I I would assume you are, and how do you see this game unfolding? I I'd lean Titans, but I I'm not I wasn't really thinking about taking it. Um the Browns look good. Their defense looks really, really good. Um and the tight like Tannehill against the this I mean he didn't look great against the defense in the Saints in week one that is like Solid, maybe you could say. So I, I don't know. I I wouldn't be too confident in the Titans, but I do lean that way. Um, I don't want to give it away, but like the total, yeah, it's thirty nine. Teams take the under, but that's a pretty like just because they're, it it's like under, like it screams under. It's mean you should really take it all the time i think because it is adjusted for that it's at 39 39 and a half so like that is low by far oh no it's not the lowest one it's not no which that's kind of surprising but i don't want to take the over there nope <laughs> nope yeah um it'll be an oh, interesting you're... game I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there though yeah and the brown signed kareem hunt they bring him back to uh yeah. compliment jerome ford so Stefanski did say today that Jerome Ford is still RB1. So something about yeah. I don't know if he's telling the truth, but we'll see. Jack, you're up. Which direction are you going to go? Uh, I'm going to go with one of our panic meter teams. I'm picking against them. I'm picking against the Broncos. Sticking with the Dolphins. Back-to-back week can take Dolphins to cover. Win by seven wow. points. It's their home opener. They look good week one and two. Uh, and we hate the Broncos, and uh, I I feel like they can get them by a score. They beat the pa- the Patriots. They beat them by seven. That by seven. So on the road divisional game, I get it. I feel like now against an inferior opponent hosting them, they could replicate a seven point win or more. Fandle has six and a half. So there you go. Right. You have six and a half on this one, then, not seven. No, that's what I'm. I, I know. I, oh, right. I, I yes. Think you sorry. win by seven. Yes. Okay. I thought you. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, this agree? is gonna be interesting. This is gonna be interesting. I don't know where I lead on this one. Uh, it is a Vic Fangio revenge game, so mm-hmm. that's true. Maybe true. he can. Maybe the Broncos will be the Broncos and put up a stinker on offense. We'll see. And. Yeah, I don't know. It's tricky. First instinct, I, I thought Miami, but then I thought about it, and I still would lean Miami, but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn on this one, and I wasn't really touching it in terms of the spread. Interesting Shref. how different we feel about these. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think how you felt about the Tennessee-Cleveland one is how right. I feel about this game. I lean Miami, but I wasn't really... Like, your number one more like most confident pick... I felt like I don't want to touch it, and then vice versa. Interesting. Jeff, you have back-to-back picks here. 
See if you can turn your luck around. We're gonna try. Won't allow. At this point, I'm just kind of I'm I'm just gonna throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks. But I'm I'm gonna do it with heart and I'm gonna do it with passion for sure. Um, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with Packers minus two at home against the Saints. Um, for me, not many stats to back it up. I feel like the offense has looked uh, pretty good so far. Jordan Love has looked. Uh, Kind of how we expected him to. I feel like people were hoping he would be like the next Rodgers, but I think it's it's fine. If uh, this is another, actually, Theo Ash talked about this, and I, something I very much agreed with is like Jordan Love just needs to be a good like game manager. Like they they have some talent around him. Um, Lafleur is a fantastic coach. Uh, he doesn't have to go out and be like out of out of scheme and like doing all this crazy stuff. He's just got to play within himself, and I think they'll be good. I think they've shown that so far. Um, they let up a ton of rushing yards to the Falcons last week. I expect that to not be the same case as the Saints running game has not looked great so far. Uh, and I believe Alvin Kamara is still out for this week. He doesn't return until week four. So No Jamal and, Williams either. Nor Jamal Williams. So the running game, I don't expect to be there. And that was kind of their bugaboo last week. Um, I thought they looked fantastic against the Bears, obviously what for whatever that's worth, um, because the Bears don't seem to be very good. But home game, awful loss. I think they're going to come back with a little, a little bit of tenacity. And from what I've seen so far, I just don't think the Saints have a great offense. The defense looks great, but I think the Packers will be able to get up the field on them enough times to cover, especially only two points. I'll, I, I think they can win that game by a field goal. So that's my first. What do we think? Yeah, I, de- I definitely like it. I, I Again, I, I think I would go Packers with this one to get uh, to cover two. You know, two two and O teams. Is this the only game of the weekend that's two two and O teams? Uh, oh, Eagles Bucks. No, Eagles Bucks. Eagles Bucks. Yeah. Wow, very interesting. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is, love Theo Ash. I think he's a great content creator, great journalist. But just keep in mind, not that I would accuse him of being this way. He is a Packers fan, so oh, he is. I don't know if you- don't know if you knew that, so just just to keep no, that no, in no. consideration. So, but that's almost why I agree with him more because I think there's a lot of people who I think there's Packers fans who are like, we have the next like Rogers, the next Favre, like next in line. But I actually yeah, like that, that, is, that is a rational that is a rational opinion. I, I guess that you shared. Um. Okay. Between two. Between two. I'm going to go I'm going to trust the hot hand. I'm I'm going to go Falcons plus three and a half at Detroit for my second one. Um, I just talked about him a little bit with uh, the Packers game. I know Detroit's coming off a loss, so you'd have to imagine that they're going to be maybe a little more hungry. But for me, uh, I know Amon Ross St. Brown did not practice today. So, I mean, he might play on Sunday, but it's fair to question if he'll be completely healthy for it. Um, I also think that this Falcons team has not, I don't want to say surprise me. I, I thought they would be an improved team this year, but it, they're, they're looking like really good. Um, Desmond Ritter still looked, uh, shaky at times, but overall it seems like he is more than capable of being in command of this offense throughout the season. Um, the run game looks as good as it could possibly look. Bijan is everything that we hoped he would be. Um, and then this defense, uh, has surprised me as well. Um, AJ Terrell, I think, is a guy that maybe we should start talking about more as a top corner in football. Um, 
I know he's, I think, viewed as such, but he, it's, it's just not a name that gets brought up very often, and I think maybe after this year we'll kind of talk about him a little bit more. But, yeah, this, uh, this, this new Falcons offense, I mean, this is, um, this, is the, this is the vision that Arthur Smith had for this team, and Bijan seems to be the guy that kind of got him to this point now. Um, so, to me, they feel like a team that's going to be in almost every game. So, getting three and a half against a Detroit team that's looked a little up and down so far, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust the consistency. Yeah, I love it, man. Those Falcons, I had them win in the South. Risky. I still think they could, uh, I don't know. I think they'll do it. I know the Saints are 2-0 and as well, but I think they could certainly be in contention for the division, as I, as I outlined before the season. But, yeah, the, these teams seem fairly equal in terms of where so, they're yeah. at right now. I think so. And uh, I know the Lions are home, but I guess I feel like it makes sense to take the team getting the field goal um, so. there. So... I also think time of possession, they might be able to kind of dominate a little with this with this running game. It feels like they're going to win time of possession in a lot of games. Yeah, Bijan's so good. He's he inc- really is. He is incredible. And like Algier didn't even get a lot of work la- this past week, but the fact that like you have him as that option to kind of sprinkle in there, like it is, it's about as unstoppable as it's going to get in terms of a, a backfield tandem. Yo, lines um, are really good too. Yeah. Not to not to uh, shortchange the Falcons, them. The Falcons are fun. Who would have thought? For my pick, I'll stay within the game. I'm gonna take the over here. Ah, okay. It's forty six and a half, which is kind of high. It's not the highest one this weekend, but um, it's uh, I mean, these two teams, the the Lions have a great offense, and the Falcons would be the one I'd be concerned about. But they put up twenty four and twenty five. Back-to-back weeks. Scoring points. And Lions, what, they put up 21 and 31. 26 average, 20. Yeah, I mean, they average over 50 points a game combined. So um, I like it. I think it's going to be, as Mitchell said, they're pretty evenly matched. I think it'll be a competitive game where um, just more urgency to score. Uh, So I, uh, I like it. I also Montgomery. I assume isn't playing in this game. It doesn't. And, they haven't completely said it. I don't know if they've officially announced it, but it seems like it's trending that way. After the game, like Montgomery said, like he'll be a few weeks, but then like I said, he might. Cam- Campbell be said he's day to day, so it feels, <laughs> it feels like he's within the building. Yeah, he he probably won't play, but for some reason, I feel like if Jameer Gibbs is playing, it's going to be, be an up tempo like up tempo like I don't know. Fast-paced offense, they're going to just score quicker. I I just really like Jameer Gibbs. So this could be the game where Jameer Gibbs fantasy owners get their get their breakthrough. Yeah, like me in one league, and I lost Chubb on that team. Speak. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what Jameer Gibbs could do with a fun running back matchup. Top two. Yeah, the 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 two highest drafted running backs this year. I didn't even think about that too. So very fun. I'm gonna. I have back-to-back picks here. I'll go with my uh, second spread. I don't know if you guys are really were thinking about this, but uh, I'm going with Houston plus eight and a half. I was looking at it a little. I was looking at it. I was peeping. Reason being, now this is interesting. Uh, I found this courtesy of, of course, the person I reference the most when I'm making these picks, Lock and Cash Sports. 
The Jag before you say it, I know the Jags just are always like get played by the Texans tough. So I feel like this should back that up, right? Yes. Well, this next this this is thing I'm going to read first doesn't have anything to do with it, but uh, teams that are zero and two, straight up and against the spread. So not just the record, but against the spread through the first two weeks of the season, as Houston is, they did not cover in either games. They lost both. That those teams cover in week three at a sixty percent rate since two thousand five. Uh, I guess reasoning being they're just trying to play for their season, essentially. Uh, so I, I I like that. Jack mentioned it's a divisional game; should be closer than a normal matchup, at least. And this is one I actually went back and checked manually. But Doug Peterson as a head coach in divisional games is 16 and 20 against the spread, dating back to his time in Philadelphia. So not the best at covering in divisional games. Could leave the door open for Houston, who honestly has surprised me. I, I thought CJ Stroud was going to be much worse. He's looked um, great. He's looked hasn't, great. Hasn't thrown an interception yet, which is surprising to me, considering he went against the Ravens week one. and um, So uh, he's looked better than I thought. And... I mean, the defense is still really bad. You know, it hasn't looked good at all. And maybe it'll just take time to gel, but I think they can keep it close. I think they can definitely cover eight and a half. I don't know, you know, what I would say the final score would be. Maybe maybe a six-point game or something like that. But I think Houston is interesting. I think they deserve a good look here. So I'm going with Houston plus eight and a half for my second one. Any words on that game in general or my pick? I like that. I, um, yeah, I like it too. Going into this, uh, I know you do it where you'll like predict the scores sometimes, and then you'll line it up with your with the lines and see if like what's what's hitting for you. But um, like going into a game like this, I, I would have expected more of like a like a six and a half spread. So the fact that it's eight and a half and you're getting that that even further cushion than it would have already been, in my opinion, I think that's a good it's a good bet. Yeah, I, and I know the the ja- the Jags. Granted, it was the Chiefs, but they're coming off an eight-point loss at home. Yeah. And then they're being treated as, I don't know. Yeah, They're no, playing really dominant football they're, now. It, like with it, an eight-and-a-half-point like spread against off. visual it seemed, opponent. It seems like, they, it seems like they based the line off of what we expected as opposed to what we've seen a little bit. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think the line might be nine on DraftKings. Really? Hmm. So yeah, we're know. using we're using FanDuel There's, for the for the book for our picks here, but I'm just gonna check real quick on DraftKings because I, I swear earlier it was nine. There's some other there's there's some other games where guys nine and are, a half. Oh boy, that's crazy. That might be because there the, there's some other games this week where the lines are pretty pretty wide, but for me the Texans and the uh, Jags the difference in like how good the teams are so far is far closer than some of these other matchups in terms of who's getting like a ton of points. I guess since we all took our spreads already, like Cowboys 12 and a half, that that makes a lot more sense than an eight and a half for Jack. Yeah. Jack didn't take his spread by the way. Oh shoot. But you and I, I I, I, I I have, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't even know what Trip said. Oh, okay, good. Did you take? Well, we all took our spreads, right? You you both took your spreads. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. So Jack, I thought you took your whatever. second. I I spoiled one that I was that that I was seeing, but you, you didn't hear anyway. So we're okay. 
You can still say it. I was just talking about the Cowboys because I was comparing the the huge spreads. Okay. And how some of them make sense, but that one didn't. My last pick here, my total uh, is one that I think when I was reviewing these lines on on Sunday, just for you know, as the games are winding down on Sunday, I like to look ahead at what the next week is going to be. And this was the first thing that stood out to me. I know I didn't take it first here, but I don't know I wanted to make sure I got the Titans one in there. But Chicago, Kansas City, under 47 and a half. Like a reason being, I've this is a system I've said multiple times on the show last year. I know that. I may have even mentioned it this year. I can't remember. But since 2013, this is obviously courtesy of Lock and Cash Sports. If there's a spread of 9.5 or higher, the under hits at 59%. So this is one of three games. Well, actually, if you count the the Jags-Texans game that's at 9.5 now on DraftKings, one of four games. But there's a lot of big spreads this weekend, and usually those go under. So there is, uh, I like that. There's only been one game that's fit this so far uh, this year, and it was week one, Houston at Baltimore. Baltimore was nine and a half point favorites in week one. Dunder hit in that game. And if you watched the Chiefs last week, it was no no surprise and no secret that Chris Jones was a huge catalyst for their defense, which shut down a pretty prolific offense in the Jags and only hold them to nine points. So I think, I don't know. I feel like, especially with all the craziness that the Bears have experienced uh, today and you know, throughout the early portion of this week, I think they could be uh, a little distracted. And I think the Chiefs are to completely shut them down. I think this could be a bloodbath. I'm seeing, I don't know, 30 to 10, 30 to 3, something like that. So I'm liking that under. I thought 47 was a little bit too high. I would have expected mid-40s. And that's what I'm going with. Jack, your second spread and final pick. It's a tough one. And it's a, it's a big number. It's a big spread. Uh, not the Chiefs. Not the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Niners. Ooh, going back to the well for me last week. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to say that the... Uh, the Giants, I, I feel like haven't figured things out despite their like insane comeback on Sunday. It was against the Cardinals, probably the worst team in the NFL. Uh, and this Niners defense is better than the Cowboys defense, probably maybe marginally, but comparable and better, I'd say. And the Giants just looked horrible against them. I know it was raining that night in in uh, in East Rutherford, but uh, Giants gotta travel cross country. That's a another knock against them, and I, I, I really just think they'll struggle. They struggled for thirty minutes against the uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals defense is nowhere near the Niners, so I, I, I don't think Daniel Jones is gonna handle the pressure that the Niners are gonna throw at him, and uh, Niners offense. Like the the uh, I don't think is going to be stopped by this Giants defense. Giants defense let up near thirty points the Cardinals, That's and tough. was a blowout against the uh, the Cowboys. So it's uh, a lot of points. It's got to win by eleven, but I don't know. I could see it being twenty seven fourteen. 
Well, the Giants' two best players are out. You didn't mention that. Saquon Barkley out. out. Yes. Andrew Thomas out. So I should have mentioned that. So feels like Nick Bosa might might have himself a bit of a day. Yeah, yeah I, 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 like, I lean San Francisco. I have already put a par, same game parlay in there where I altered San Francisco to minus six and a half and uh, the under 50, I think. So I think that gets you to plus odds. I think I got it at plus 115. So I feel pretty confident in that one, especially with the news coming today that Saquon and Andrew Thomas are ruled out. So um, I'm liking that one a lot. And I know it, it's a little intimidating with the big number, but. I think uh, I think you made the right decision in terms of if you were going to pick a side in that one. Shref, bring us home. What is your total? Um, I was already leaning towards this one, but your underpick actually led to this overpick that I'm about to make. I'm going to take the over 46 in the Eagles-Bucks game for my, for my total. Um, looking at this, and the, the fact that the Bears-Chiefs total is higher than the Eagles Bucks total feels crazy to me. Like completely crazy. Uh this Eagles defense, while the defensive line uh has looked fantastic so far, um, the secondary worries me. We just saw this past week what two good receivers can do to this secondary. And we for the second week in a row we'll be going against two very good receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um Baker Mayfield seems to be pretty calm and like I guess just like confident in the system, it seems like. Um, so good sign for him, bad sign for the Eagles defense here. Um, I do think they'll get to him a few times, but I also think that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are probably going to get their fair share of looks. Um, and on top of that, I think I truly feel like this is maybe the game where we see this Eagles offense kind of get like completely into shape with the passing game. Um, so yeah, all these things combined, plus the fact that uh, like, I, I don't know if you guys agree. It, it, it feels really crazy to me that that Bears total is higher than this Eagles total. So all that combined is is why I'm going to go over 46. Fair enough. Best of luck to you, especially Shref. To recap, I went with the Titans plus three and a half, Houston plus eight and a half, and the Chicago Kansas City under 47 and a half. Jack has Miami minus six and a half. San Francisco minus 10 and a half tomorrow night and the Falcons lions over 46 and a half. Shreff has the Packers minus two, the Falcons plus three and a half and the Eagles bucks over 46. Any honorable mentions or backup picks that you guys had that you'd like to uh, shout out uh, as well. I have quite a few. I was, I was really close to taking Dallas to cover. I was really close to doing it. Like it, like it. Dallas is giving me the same vibes as the Eagles team was last year in this early part of the year, where it's like the defense is just going to kind of dominate, and the offense is just going to keep going down the field. They're not going to kill you with like huge plays, but they're just going to keep working up the field. Like I don't. This Cardinals team has been frisky so far, but this Dallas team looks like unstoppable so far. Like I don't know how they're going to block. I I don't know how they block Micah. I don't know what they do. Yeah, the Cardinals are 2-0 and against the spread so far, so we'll see if that trend continues. I don't know how to feel about that one. Uh, I would definitely lean Cowboys, I feel like, if I had to make a decision, but I wasn't going to pick it for this. Yeah, I was too uh, nervous to get so many points, but the, like, 
I'll probably take it still. I just, it just wasn't one of my picks. Another one that I liked, but I didn't take it just because I don't know who the quarterback is going to be. I like, I like kind of like Indianapolis plus seven and a half. I really thought about that one too. Even with Minshew, Steichen has, Steichen has that offense rolling a little bit. Yeah. And if that system I said with the Texans, a team that is 0 2 straight up and against the sp- spread through the first two weeks, covering uh, in week three at a 60% rate since 2005. I think it's even better when the team, because this is what Lock and Cash Sports, Lock and Cash Sports said as well. If the team had playoff aspirations going into the year, and they're all, and then they fit the criteria where they're zero and two against the spread and straight up, I feel like it makes it even better, you know, because you're really playing for your season. Whereas Houston, dogs run faster. You know what I mean. So if Joe Burrow had any semblance of health, I would really pick them because. They're 0-2 straight up and against the spread. They're playing the Rams, so they really need really need a win. Okay. I just I I just can't I can't take it if if Burrow if I'm not sure about Burrow playing or not. So that was another one as well. I like Philly. It's, I think it's a low number. I think four and a half is is a little too low in my opinion. Of, I thought about it, but one uh, I don't want to with with how my picks on here have been going. I'm not I'm not speaking that into existence and. <laughs> The Bucks offense has kind of worried me a little bit. They're 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 looking pretty efficient. Yeah. Two totals that I was looking at as well, and this is the last two honorable mentions I have. I have uh Denver, Miami under 48 and a half. I didn't even look at it. Yeah, I know. I, I can understand why you didn't, just considering <laughs> the circumstances, but I think uh I think they're gonna put up a stinker. I know I kind of teased that when we were talking about Miami when Jack picked them. And I think the Thursday night under looks good too. I just don't think the Giants are going to be able to score at all, especially with the injuries. And they're just going to get ransacked by that 49ers defense. So I like the under 44 in that one. Yeah. Um, anything else, Jack? Or anything else you were debating? No, I was debating my last one between the Cowboys, taking the Cowboys and possibly the Chiefs because of how in such disarray the Bears are right now. Right. Yeah. I also I will say I also considered Bills Commanders over forty three and a half. Sam Howell's surprised me and it feels like the Bills might have might have started clicking on offense, so I could see that being a bit of a shootout. I could too. All right, folks, that's our week two recap slash week three preview episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um be sure to share the show with anyone you and you may think would like it. And yeah, we'll catch you next week in another episode. Hope your teams are doing all right. I hope your fantasy teams are doing all right. I hope your bets are doing well. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>